This is 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And now, with their always informative and often entertaining take on the sports news of the day, here are Jonathan Raggis and Jim Williams. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And we have a ton to talk about, including many, many injuries on the NFL scene. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside me, as always, is Jim... The voice of the Angels, Williams. What's going on, Jim? I should get paid every time I hear that. Um, <laughs> but but I won't, so that, that's okay. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable stuff that happened over this weekend. Uh, words, there are no words. I mean, and I, I said it best on Facebook uh, over the weekend, over Sunday night. Every season... Okay, every season in the National Football League, there's that bizarro week that makes you say, "Huh," where everything just does not add up. This was that bizarro week. It was crazy. I mean, our picks went right through the proverbial pooper. Uh, you know, both mine and yours. Oh yeah. Uh, putting it, putting it nicely, kindly, and mildly, uh, shall we say? And, and injuries have really caught up with the National Football League this year. Uh, whether you're a star quarterback, a star running back, uh, a star defender, you know, you're on notice because uh, they're, 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 we're going to have a lengthy injury report to go through over the course of our time this afternoon. Uh, and we want you to join us on the conversation. Tell them how to do it, my friend. Well, there's a couple of different ways. You can join us via Skype by going to blogtalkradio.com slash 247sportshub. And there's a little blue S icon. Yes, the Skype icon. You can click that and you can call right into the show via Skype. Or you can give us a call via the telephone line at 347-237-5373. And as always, on blogtalkradio.com slash 247sportshub. The chat is open, so come and uh, chat with us in there as well. Let's get right to it because we have a lot of football to go over. Too much football to go over. I don't want to say too much, but it, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy Sunday. So let's start with the first game, and that was the New York Jets knocking off the New England Patriots 30-27 to on a Nick Falk field goal in overtime. This was a good, crazy game, Jim. Gee, I wonder why you brought this game up first. Hmm, I don't... My, because they're my favorite team on there, so... Well, exactly. <laughs> there's there's no bias. There's no bias whatsoever. No, but you're absolutely right. It was an absolutely insane game. We got to see, wait for it, the Jets run the ball with Chris Ivory, who has come up from out of nowhere for 104 yards. Granted, they gave him the ball 34 times, but hey... Yeah. There you go. Tom Brady was not Tom Brady. Yes, he had Rob Gronkowski to throw to, and matter of fact, if my math is correct, Gronkowski is responsible for half of Brady's passing yards. Yep, 114 of 228. Yep. Uh, Kemble targets. Well, yeah, he had he had one two. Well, I mean, he spread the ball around a little bit, but the rookies who were making the big plays last week were pretty much held in check by the Jets' defense. Yeah. Uh, Ridley fell back to earth a little bit, and again, they didn't run the ball nearly enough. 
you you had Stephen Ridley have a have the best game of the season last week, and you don't give him the rock more. Well, that's just stupid. He was running for four and a half a clip. Yeah, eleven carries, fifty yards. He ran a seventeen-yard touchdown run. Is his longest run, and you don't give him the rock. Now, this is not to say that the Jets were unfallible, or you know, I mean. Geno Smith fumbled the football a couple of times. He threw an interception. He did not have a great game, but he did enough to keep his team in the game to set up for overtime in the game-winning field goal. Correct. And in the NFL, on a week-to-week basis, yeah, that's all you need sometimes. Huh? Just do enough to keep yourself in the running. And that's what they did, and Geno Smith did a good job. And, you know, if you go back to that Week 2 game against New England where, I hate to say it, the Jets should have won that game. They gave it to the Patriots. They could have been 2-0 and over the Patriots right now. One of the damnedest stat lines, and you hear about this on a weekly basis, is time of possession. <laughs> the Jets had the ball for 46 minutes and 13 seconds of this game. Cut it in half, give or take, and that's what the, Jets, uh, the Patriots had. They had the ball for only 20 minutes. And you know minutes. what? That was big because giving the ball to Chris Ivory 34 times was a big, big reason why they had 46 minutes of possession. And why they, you know, kept it close with the Patriots and inevitably won in overtime. Yeah. I mean, it's spot on. Spot you know, on that was some life. smart coaching by Rex Ryan yesterday. And you know what? You don't get to say that too much about Rex Ryan. And you know what? Hopefully Rex Ryan takes something out of this game and coaches the Jets continuously like this. It would be nice. Yeah. Uh, but they got the win. I'm happy. Of course you are. Let's continue, and let's go to the Atlanta Falcons-Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, and that means the Buccaneers lost yet again 0-6 on the season, 31-23. to Falcons with the win. Mike Lennon looked good. Oh, yeah. I mean, but Matt Ryan was... looked better. Well, I prefer to call it Matt Ryan actually showed up. Yeah. And his big target, anybody have Harry Douglas on their fantasy team? Uh, no. Exactly. Uh, Harry Douglas... Yeah, because of Julio Jones being out of the equation for the rest of the season, more or less. Harry Douglas stepped up in a big way with seven grabs for 149 yards. Now, again, let's call a spade a spade, and as we're going to mention with the Eagles game a little bit later on, they beat the Buccaneers, and it was closer than it probably should have been. But the names that you see getting big numbers, they won't get big numbers against many other teams in the National Football League. That's just a fact. And also a fact, as we come back to the age-old concept of run the damn ball, yep. Rodgers, averaging two yards a carry. Snelling, two yards a carry. Matt Ryan, negative four yards a rush. You know, it's pathetic. It, you know, I understand we're a pass-first league and a pass-second league, and I, I, I'm going to belabor this point every week, and I hate doing it, but it's it's fact. Yeah. You've got to be balanced. You've got to be balanced to have any chance at success in the NFL. And you're going to see teams that were balanced as we go through the games and uh, and are more successful than the Falcons, definitely than the Buccaneers, Absolutely. than the Jets, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and then we'll get to the injury list later, but one of those injuries on that, uh, on that list is going to be Doug Martin from Tampa Bay, which is another big loss there. But, you know, another story is Darrell Revis, one tackle in the game, once again, looking bad. Early, early question for you. Darrell yep. Reeves in Tampa, a bust? Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. And this is the main reason why the Jets got rid of him. They knew he was already on the decline with the Jets. He was playing good, but he wasn't playing, you know, Darrell Reeves type of football like he did in the 
in the previous seasons. Plus, you know what? When you go down with a knee injury that, you know, that many times, you're not going to come back the same. I don't care if he thinks he's more explosive or not. He's not playing the same. He's not. Mm-hmm. One interception, 21 tackles, only pass, uh, four, four pass deflections. He, do, he does have two forced fumbles on the season, but you know what? Those aren't Darrell Revis-type numbers, and uh, you know what? The Jets made out good in this trade. So. Okay. There you go. Let's get to the next game. Cincinnati Bengals now four, uh, five and two in the season, knocking off the Detroit Lions, twenty-seven to twenty-four. And guess what? We got the Andy Dalton that a lot of people wish they could get every week again. All hail the Ginger Brigade! Twenty-four, thirty-four, three seventy-two, and three touchdowns. He, if he doesn't win AFC Player of the Week, Offensive Player of the Week, something may be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, name one person right now in the AFC. Well, you, you might be able to. We'll 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 cross that bridge. Yeah, well, but you know what? You even got to look at a Matt Stafford. This was a quarterback stool yesterday. They both had amazing, amazing games, mm-hmm. and it was just Megatron versus Green the entire game. Yeah, if you it was just it was just a game of can you top this? And though statistically Johnson had the better game, Green yeah. gets the win, so he wins. But again, another key stat I always bring up: Stafford threw the ball fifty-one times. Yep. When you throw 50 or more times, unless you're playing an overtime game, you're screwed. you got to win. You, 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 well, no, no. When you throw 50 or more times, you're almost always destined to lose, is what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry, but you throw the ball 51 times, and you got Megatron on the team. you got to win. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I, there was a point in the game, I'm not sure exactly what, I think it was in the fourth quarter, when uh, Matt, uh, Matt Stafford threw that 50-yard pass into the end zone, Megatron had three defenders on him. I mean, grouped on him. They were they all jumped for the ball at the same time, and Megatron came down with it. The guy is a beast, man. Yeah, when he's beast. healthy, there is no better in the uh, NFL. No. But the problem is, it drops off dramatically from there. That's the problem. There is no legitimate number two on this team. No, there's not. And especially with guys like Brandon Pettigrew, who's supposed to be a good tight end, having a miserable season, get, only getting his first touchdown yesterday. And then you're relying on guys like Kevin Ogletree. A journeyman. Yeah. And also Chris Durham, who we've never heard of before. Ryan Broyles. Come on. You know, they, they honestly honestly need a legit number two. If the Detroit Lions had a, had a legit number two wide receiver – this team could be a lot better than their 4-3 and three record. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. But huge props to Andy Dalton and huge props to A.J. Green. They were just dynamite yesterday. Yep, they, they, they did it all, and they held everybody in check. Here's a, another game we picked wrong on, Jim. Uh, by the way, before we do that, we're both 6-8, and eight, even though we picked different games. Because we kind of, I guess, traded off uh, on the on the games we picked differently, yeah. probably. Yeah, so. it was uh, insane. Blackluster uh, week for us. Yay! Glad to... Uh, Glad to know that I lost on my pick of New England, and I said that last week too. So. And I lost on my pick of what was the other one? I oh, of course. Dallas, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that momentarily. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the next game. The Buffalo Bills now three and four in the season, knocking off the Miami Dolphins twenty-three to twenty-one. Dolphins started the season three and zero, now evened up at three and three. Thaddeus Lewis looked uh, not so terrible yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he didn't find the end zone, but he completed about two-thirds of his passes, so he's got that going for him. Tannehill did everything. He completed for almost 200 yards. He threw three touchdowns to keep his team in the game, but he also threw two picks to cost his team the game, as it were. One one that was returned for a touchdown as well. Pick six, as the kids call it. Pick six. Um, These are two teams that are right where they should be record-wise. They are mediocre 
They fluctuate from week to week. As such, I'm not surprised by the result of this game, and I'm not surprised by you know how close this game was because you're seeing mirror images of each other before your very eyes, really. It was crazy. In my estimation. It was crazy. It was a uh, you know back and forth game, and uh, you know kickers duel at the end. Dan Carpenter getting those. Uh, well, I would say kicker duel, but you know kicker game in that fourth quarter. With Dan Carpenter getting a twenty uh, twenty yarder and a thirty one yarder to uh, take the tie it and then take the lead. So good game. Um, I I enjoyed it, but uh, you know there was better on the bill yesterday. Okay. All right, Dallas Cowboys knocking off your Philadelphia Eagles, seventeen to three. Tony Romo and the boys now four and three. Your Eagles now three and four. What's going on, man? I will give you a little inside baseball because of personal things going on in my life, professionally and personally. I didn't have the uh, opportunity to give this game as much focus as I should. Yeah. That being said, what I could focus on left me scratching my head. How many times have I said during this uh, run of shows we've done, to succeed for Philadelphia, they must give Shady McCoy at least 20 to 25 carries a game? How many times have I said that? Yeah, many times, multiple times. He had 18 carries for 55 yards. And in fact, after Nick Foles threw what I thought to be an interception to Dallas after getting uh, a short field, was that that one in the end zone? Yes. Yes. What did the Eagles do immediately after? They ran the ball with Shady two or three times in a row, and he succeeded on the first two runs for nice gains. Yeah. And then they abandoned it like they did before the game. It is ridiculous. The yeah, People are going to say, well, Nick Foles, yeah, and, and Nick Foles had a bad game because he was trying to play and gut it out, and he failed at doing that. I don't deny that one bit. Okay? And now everybody's hating on him because he played injured. Well, I mean, I have a friend of mine who actually works at the Fox television station. Let's see if we can narrow that down, kids. Uh, who kept giving me the, you know, was pretty much trumpeting, ah, Nick Foles sucks, bring back Michael Vick. And I'm going to tell you right now, Michael Vick's not the answer. Nick Foles is not the answer. Matt Barkley, who came in and threw three interceptions because he was amped up because he didn't have to hold a clipboard anymore, is not the answer either. Yeah. The answer is go with your best Offensive weapon. And who is your best offensive weapon? Your best offensive weapon is your running back. It's LaShawn McCoy. It's not throwing to racist Riley Cooper. It's not even throwing to Deshaun Jackson. For goodness sakes, you know, you go with who brought you to the dance. That's what this comes down to. Don't let me flip it to the other side because you may think I'm going to give the Cowboys some credit. Should. They didn't play good. No, Tony Romo threw two picks. He threw for 300 yards. Good for him, one touchdown. Randall was your leading rusher with 65 yards. Dez Bryant had a nice game. And again, the Eagles get to get exploited because of their secondary being porous, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Of all people, Terrence Williams, the rookie, is the one who finds the pay dirt in the end zone. I mean, we... We may be okay secondary-wise against the number one or two wide receivers, but we almost always get burned by the third or fourth wide receiver on a weekly basis. And I know I'm going to backtrack a little bit here. The defense actually kept the Eagles in this game. That's the damning thing. The defense kept the Eagles in this game for a while, but the law of averages says when your team can only do three and out, three and out, three and out so many times, and you have to put your defense on the field for 36 minutes, you're going to be susceptible to the big play every now and again. And they were, and that's the difference in this game. 
Absolutely, man. It wasn't a good game for neither Dallas or Philadelphia, but unfortunately, we had to have a winner, and that was Dallas. Well, well, we didn't. If if there was perfect in a perfect world, it would have been a tie. And yeah, I that's, that's not going to happen. No, yeah. it's not going to happen. All right, let's get to this one. This one turned out to be uh, a high-scoring game, and Roy Hillier Jr. came out of nowhere with three rushing touchdowns for the Washington Redskins as they downed the Chicago Bears, forty-five to forty-one. Bears now four and three in the season. Redskins now two and four on the season. What'd you think of this one? I'm going to bring a little baseball analogy in. You ever see? We see it all the time. I shouldn't say you ever see. You know, you see this all the time, mm-hmm. where a team scores ten runs in one game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Beat the team ten to two, ten to three, whatever. And what do they do the next game? They usually lay an egg. Yes. Because they, they, they spent all their resources up in those nine innings. That's what you're going to see with Washington. I would back the Brinks truck up against Washington on their next game. I would. I would pick. I don't care if it's even Jacksonville. I would pick the other team over Washington because they had a game of the season. They had their, their game of the season yesterday. Yeah. I mean, Robert Griffin III throwing for 300 yards, two touchdowns. You know, we got to see glimpses of what he was last season, running for 84 yeah, yards, he's still running not right. the wind. He's still not right at all. He's not. Oh, no, he, you're absolutely right. Roy Hellu, in goal line setups, saved this team. No they they figured, they may, have they figured it out? One back, Morris being the t- guy between the 20s, with Hellu being the guy inside the 20? Maybe, maybe not, but I think it's too late. And Jordan Reed. What a game he had. Nine grabs, 134, and a touchdown. But the bigger story on this doesn't even have to do with Washington. It's a game of, oh, what could have been. Because if Jay Cutler didn't get injured, would things have been different? I'm inclined to think they would have been. I believe so. But I, at the same time, who knows, too, because, you know what, they put up 45 points, man, you know. Yeah, well, when you put up, when you put up 41 well, but when your team puts up 41 points, you should win the game. There are very few excuses. question about it, man. The defense for the Chicago Bears was bad, and they haven't been terrible all season. So, you know, they were really bad yesterday, the defense. So, Yeah. If it wasn't for Matt Forte's three touchdowns, you know, it would have been a, just a landslide. So, Yep, exactly. All right, let's continue on here. The Carolina Panthers, Jim, we picked against them, but yet they won. They beat the St. Louis Rams 30-15. to the Rams now three and four in the season. The Panthers now three and three on the season. Cam Newton, fifteen of seventeen, two hundred and four yards, one touchdown. What did you think of this one? You know, there's something to be said about discipline. There's something to be said about keeping everything in check and all your ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. More than anything else, that is what cost St. Louis any chance of winning this game. Yeah. Penalties, penalties, and more penalties. They had enough per. Or they had more personal foul penalties in this game than many teams have in an entire season. Yeah, eight yard, uh, eight penalties, sixty-eight yards in total. Yeah, I, I, and they were mostly personal foul penalties, little ticky-tack things that they know better, things that you should know better from Jump Street. Sam Bradford, before he went down, and we'll tell you about that, was actually serviceable, and then some, completing two-thirds of his passes for two fifty-five and a touchdown and a pick. Um, Again, running game, suspect. We know that. We move on from that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, Carolina made the best of the situation that St. Louis put themselves in because this was more a case of St. Louis losing this game than Carolina winning it, in yeah. my estimation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they didn't play great offensively, but yet they still put up uh, 30 points, and you got to give uh, credit to the kicker. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely you do. Sure. Yep. Yeah. 
All right, well, uh, we didn't pick against them, and we lost that one, so that sucks. But anyway, let's continue to train here. Guess what? The Jacksonville Jaguars. They're now 0-7 as they lost 24-6 to Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Are they going to get a win at all this season? In the words of Woody Page, I have to look at the schedule. I, uh, Like I said before last week, I think inevitably they will. I don't think this team can go oh for the season like the Lions of some years back. I don't know, man. Honestly, the only team that I think that they could possibly beat is maybe the Cleveland Browns. But even at that point, I think the Browns are much better than they are. As long as Brandon Whedon has a breath in his lungs, I can debate that. But I'm sorry, but I think the defense of the Browns, even though I'm not huge in no. the defense, I still think that they could stop the Jacksonville Jaguars. I will grant you that. In game. You know, yeah. maybe maybe it's a case like like I said with the Redskins before, where the Jaguars put all their eggs all their eggs all their eggs into the basket against the Denver Broncos last week. Yeah. I mean, Maurice Jones-Drew went back to his non-existent ways. Chad Henney, while throwing for 300 yards, didn't find Pater. Philip Rivers, what a completion percentage! He only he only missed four passes all game. Looking, That's impressive. Uh, he's he's one one of the uh, elite quarterbacks in the league this season. There's no doubt about it. Comeback player of the year, very possibly. Absolutely. Very possibly. Yep. And it was just a clean game. It wasn't a, ooh, this is going to set the world on fire game. It was a clean game. They took control of the game. They gra- they had the ball for 15 more minutes, roughly, than their opposition. Actually, 15 minutes exactly, as I see. And they just, you know, they, they, they took control. They had this thing by the reins, and they were on cruise control from early on. Yeah. What about Ryan Matthews? Two back-to-back 100-plus yard games now and a touchdown yesterday. Yeah, He's that was better. impressive. But but let's let's see him sustain this. Let's see him sustain this against quality opposition. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. you could run for 75 yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Defense. I think most people can. Let's see the Chargers uh, playing Washington next week. I think Ryan Matthews has a good chance there. But when they start playing, you know, Defenses like Denver and uh, Kansas City, and even maybe even the Giants, even though they're not playing too good this season, I think uh, I think not. So, point taken. All right, 49ers now five and two in the season, down in the Tennessee Titans, thirty-one to seventeen. Jake Locker made his return, wasn't too bad, but yet the 49ers get the win. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 looking over at everything, and it comes down to the first half was the end of this game. Quite frankly, I mean, the 14-point the second quarter was the differential. Again, you're going to look at Colin Kaepernick's numbers and say, Awful. yeah, I mean, he, 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 didn't, he didn't find the end zone. See, but here's the, here's the difference, okay? Team is imbalanced, arguably, the wrong way. They, they got the rushing, the but not the passing. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to do some math on the fly because, well, I didn't have a chance to do show prep today. I won't get into that. 24 and 11 is 35. Four, four, 40, 41 times they ran the football with five different people rushing. I won't say five running backs because we had everybody and their sister running at points. That's Kaepernick it. passed the ball 21 times. That's, that's just as bad the other direction, but they were at least effective when they ran the football. So it, it makes it a bit of a mood point. Frank Gore saw the end zone twice. Kaepernick saw the end zone once on the ground. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the passing game was held in check because they decided to put run first and second and pass third to keep the run honest, for lack of better terms. Thankfully for the 49ers, they have Frank Gore. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, thankfully, they don't have Chris Johnson, who, yes, had a nice receiving game, but again, Chris Johnson running on the ground is like 
pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. He's done. Yeah, uh, put a fork in him, he's done. And like you said, Jake Locker had a decent game. It's just... Uh, Once again, that balance. Yeah, well, it's, it's balance, and San Francisco just has more talent around them. Yeah, no doubt about it. more talented squad that at times has underachieved this season, as we've seen. No. Uh, no, noticeably, Colin Kaepernick has underachieved, and to a certain extent, he underachieved in this game as well. Um, that, that's what it comes down to, as far as I can tell. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, the Green Bay Packers beating the Cleveland Bounds 31-13. to Packers now 4-2 and on the season. Had a good game from Aaron Rodgers. But the big, question, but the big story here, and I want to fill this in before we even get to the injuries, is Jamark, uh, excuse me, uh, Jermichael Finley uh, going out with a neck injury in ICU today. Oh, my God. He's not in good shape. So, And, you know, after watching, and I, I may mention this, I think, of, in the past, the uh, – the PBS Frontline documentary about concussions and, and so on and so forth, and just realizing, again, kind of getting like that aha moment, just how violent, and we take it all for granted how violent football is. Yeah. You know, you, you, we pray for him, obviously, and we hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, not yeah, not just... He should be fine. Yeah, but, but when you know, you're... But, injury and leaving on a stretcher and being, you know, put in ICU is... Uh, those are red flags. Yeah. It's scary. Uh, you, know, you know, and here's the sad reality. If this was an injury that occurred 20 years ago, I don't know that he would make it. Because how often, years ago, did we see players, I'm going to gut it out. I mean, the Ronnie lots of this world. Finger, you know, eh, cut my finger off if it doesn't work. You know, there was too much pride on the line. Now we have knowledge. Now we have information. And now, Finley, hopefully, will get the care he deserves and take the time he needs to come back at 100%. If that means he doesn't see action the rest of the season, so be it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you could just look at the sight of, you know, Andrew Quarles and some of the Packers, and, you know, these guys were crying. I mean, they were in tears, and it, it puts a lot of things in perspective when you, you know, look, you know, you look at the concussion thing, it really doesn't scare enough players, but when these neck injuries happen, Oh yeah. You see a totally different athlete. Right. And, uh, you know, I wish uh you know, because just like a neck injury, you know, concussions can be just as deadly, so you'd like to see them, you know, take the concussions to heart as well. But you know, it was it, it was a scary sight. Um you know, once again our best wishes to Jamichael Finley and hopefully uh you know, he comes out of this uh and, and, and is able to have an effective uh, NFL career still, but Let's get to the game here. Uh, which is which is an afterthought. Let's not get ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Browns once again. Brandon Whedon looking terrible. Eddie Lacy. They're getting some good things from Eddie Lacy on the Packers side of the rushing ball. Dare I say it? They found their their running back in Green Bay. I dare say that at this point in time. Yeah. Um, he needs to find the end zone a little more, though. Um, that's true, but you know. you know, they they at least make an effort to make it somewhat balanced, and you have to give them credit there. And you know, you mentioned the Finley thing. Other players who are role players on this team, have stepped up. I mean, you know, look at Jared Boykin, for goodness sakes. The sophomore standout. Nice game for him. He grabs 103 and a touchdown going for a 39-yard reception at one point as well. You know, when you have Aaron Rodgers, tends to make it easy, doesn't it? I mean, mean, and, and I'll have this debate with Carl every day of the week. There's no better quarterback in this league than Aaron Rodgers. With no disrespect to Drew Brees, there's no better quarterback in this league when he's on than Aaron Rodgers. Um, and there's arguably no better defensive performance than we saw from Green Bay as well when they held very good wide receivers and tight ends on this Cleveland team in check. 
Oh, yeah. they got they got you know seven grabs, but they were all short yardage, yardage to medium yardage gains. There were no big gainers by any receiver in this game for Cleveland. It was dink and dunk stuff. Yeah. Um, so credit credit necessary to the defense as well for Green Bay for putting up a good showing on Sunday. Absolutely. Let's continue looking at the NFL games, and then of course we'll get into uh, some of the injuries as well. A couple of the stories. The Kansas City Chiefs. <clears throat> They are the reverse Jacksonville Jaguars, now at 7-0 and after a 17-16 win over the Houston Texans. It wasn't pretty at all for either team. No, it wasn't. But guess what? Andy Reid, you got your win. I, um, I admit I uh, need to do a better job in these games, but I have learned after uh, almost 15 years, <clears throat> it's good to run the football. It's uh, Running the football can be your friend. <clears throat> and... Uh, uh, Alex Smith didn't have a great game, uh, but uh, <clears throat> did, did a decent job. Uh, time chores. And, and Houston had a lot to play for after the uh, the passing of Wade Phillips' uh, legendary uh, father, Fum Phillips. Mm. So there were hearts heavy uh, on this Houston team. And you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, Houston, you fickle, fickle finger of fate fans that you are. You might have found your new quarterback in Case Keenum. I'm what? just... Putting looked damn good. He looked. He really did look good yesterday. He did his part, but again, Ben Tate, Arian Foster, and we'll we'll focus on Foster in a little bit. Yeah, the running game was not there. Um, you know, it, it's just uh, you know, it was it was one of those scrappy games that one team had to win, and that one team was Kansas City. I mean, Jamal Charles did his part for Kansas City. Uh, he was probably the standout star offensively, if you if you ask me, uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, from there, it was just uh, an offensive struggle because the defense is held serve. Yeah. So, but but there are positives to be taken for both teams. Uh, Kansas City seven zero on top of the AFC West. We'll ask we'll, we'll ascertain later why they're atop the AFC West. Um. But, but there is hope with Case Keenum at the helm because he faced a good defense and came out looking respectable. Yeah. So. Absolutely. All right, let's go with this now. The Baltimore Ravens losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers 19-16 in Pittsburgh. And this goes to show you not that Pittsburgh is still a good team, but that the Ravens are not the team that they were last year, Jim. One of the things when we both picked this game, we forgot one key thing. When you're in an intra-division matchup, throw the records out the window. Absolutely. Especially this one where so many of the last few contests have been, wait for it, three-point games. This was one of them. Mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell, nice to see him show up to the stadium. 19 carries, 93 yards for Pittsburgh. And look, Ben Roethlisberger was efficient. He was efficient. He wasn't productive. But so was Flacco. Right. They were yeah. both efficient, but not productive. Uh, efficient means you can throw the ball and complete the ball at a good rate. Productive means you're throwing for 300, 400 yards and three or four touchdowns. So they were efficient, not productive. This was a defensive battle. This was a game that was waged on the trenches of the defensive, uh, the defensive 11. Mm-hmm. And in the end, Pittsburgh did just enough to win the game on the last second field goal. No icing the kicker. I have to give a little credit to Baltimore there because I hate icing the kicker. It would not have done any good. That would have been made with his eyes closed because it was right down the middle. So, yeah, you know, uh, perhaps to Pittsburgh for that win. 
but it doesn't tell us anything, like you said, it doesn't tell us anything about Pittsburgh being a better team. It tells us more about Baltimore not being what they were from a year ago. Yeah, they're just not looking good at all. They're not. Let's get to the big game, the game of the week, the weekend. And that was the Indianapolis Colts and the return of Peyton Manning to his home, his actual home in Indianapolis as the Denver Broncos came to uh, Indy. Broncos lost this one, though, 39-33. to This was a good, good game with a good show from both Manning and Luck, but it just went the way of Indy in this one. John Leary Jr. must be saying, I hate to call it, I hate to tell you this, but I called it. Because remember, he thought about picking Indianapolis in the chat earlier last week, and if he if he did follow through with that, props to you, mate. But uh, I think this was a case of Andrew Luck. You know, I, I, I'm not even going to bring the Jim Irsay angle of this. Mm-hmm. If you're a quarterback, I'll, let me let me see if I can put you into uh, you, the understood you, not you specifically, John, uh, into Andrew Luck's position. You're in a game where you're face where you have a lot on the table and all you hear about is Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning. You can't avoid it, you can't escape it, you what can't not? stop it, you can only hope to contain it. And, and you you're like hello, I'm over here, you know, I, I'm doing some pretty good things with this franchise. You feel like you know what? You have a chip on your shoulder and you have every right to. So what did he do? He, he exercised that chip. And he came up aces. 21-38, 2-28, three touchdowns, not a pick. And they ran the ball. They had a balanced running attack. It, I mean, nobody set the world on fire, but they ran the ball enough times to keep the pass honest, to keep you guessing. And that's, that's why they scored so many points to a certain extent. And you mentioned Peyton had a great game. 20, well, not great by Peyton's standards in terms of completion percentage, but he threw for almost 400 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Yeah. Eric Decker had a monster game in a losing effort, 150 yards on eight catches and a touchdown, including a 49-yard gainer. Wes Welker, semi-held in check until late, seven grabs, 96 yards, but he spread the ball around, getting receiving yardage from three main wide receivers. Um, and then you've got, I mean, it, it, it was just a knock em out drag em out shootout, and I love a shootout game, and this was fun to watch. Yeah. yeah, we said this game could go either way. We wouldn't be shocked if the Colts won this one. We did pick Denver, though, because Denver was on such a hot streak. But you know what? To me, Denver still is the best team in the league, even though Kansas City is 7-0. and So that and plus, when when you your team fumbles the football four times, yes, that 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 may have been the ultimate undoing between that and twelve and twice as many penalties for twice as many yards. Yeah, we turned on Holiday fumbling it twice. Don't like him. Stop throwing to him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just you know on the on the receiving depth chart, you've got three or four guys who are instantly better than him. Just yeah. just saying. Well, yeah. I well actually, I think his fumbles came on kick returns, right? Well, yeah, that's right, kick yeah. returns. I mean, you I'm may sorry. want to. Uh, you may want to look into another person as your kick returner. Hey, listen, Josh Cribbs was out there. Jets picked him up, and uh, you know what? He didn't get a lot of yardage for the Jets yesterday, but it was nice knowing that there's a guy back there that's not going to fumble the ball, and that's that really, Absolutely. You, know, you know, really boosts the confidence. So tonight's game, Monday Night Football, Giants taking on the Vikings in Jersey. Giants 0-6, Vikings 1-4. Vikings starting Josh Freeman. You got the Giants. I got the Vikings. I think this could be a decent game tonight. 
I think it's going to be a shootout. I really think it is because you know what you're going to get from Adrian Peterson, especially against the Giants' sieve-like defense. The wild card is Josh Freeman, and he has a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to make a game of it. I just think a team that is underperformed like the Giants have with so much raw talent offensively, they've got to have a breakout game. And I think tonight at home is – it puts you this way. If this game was in Minnesota, I would pick Minnesota. But it's not. It's in the Meadowlands. That's why I'm picking the Giants. Simple yeah. as that. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I think, uh, like you said, you know, Freeman's got the chip on his shoulder. AP, I think, is going to have a more effective game than he did last week, of course, with everything going on. So, so one of us is going to go 7-8 uh, and eight for the week, and one yeah. of us is going to fall to 6-9. and nine. Yeah, considering uh, we're tied 56-35 and 35 overall, we're gonna, one of us is going to be one game up, Jim. Yes. That's cool that it comes down to Monday Night Football. It's going to make or break it. I like it. it it's fun. It, it is fun. I will grant you that. It is. Uh, it is uh, 36 after the hour because, you know, people are listening to us all time zones. But, you know, 1236 Eastern here uh, where we are, it's uh, it's 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I'm Jim. He's John. We have, a, we have a chat room. We have numbers. Call us. Chat with us. Reach out and touch us. Just not that way, because then we'd have to have to catch a predator and Chris Hansen come out, and that wouldn't be good. <laughs> and Chris Hansen's looking for work. It's not like he's doing anything. That he's is not, very true. He's not with Dateline true. NBC. Online, he calls himself. Yeah. Would you like to have a seat, Mr. Raggis? Uh, that kind of stuff. Okay, but, but we have to get back to a serious bit, because this was a weekend. This was a Sunday, to be more precise, where injuries really caught up with themselves. This was a miserable Sunday for a lot of different players. Uh, and, and, and and some are even coming in right now. I mean, I don't know if you want to go in a specific order. We but, will, but you know what? Before we do that, let's bring in a caller because we do have please. a caller coming in. So from the 347 area code, what's going on? You're on the air. Hey, what's going on? This is your boy Robert from WebStarLive.com. I just want to say the Giants, they really suck. The Jets, that was a great game yesterday. I was really loving it. Nice. I, hey, listen, I'm a Jets fan. I love the two, man. It was a hard-fought win, and uh, they deserved it. So It was. I love all New York teams in all sports. There you go, nope. man. Nothing wrong with that. That just shows passion. I appreciate that. All right, so let's ask you. Let's get the fans' perspective. Do you think the yeah. Giants win tonight against Minnesota? Of course. I think the Giants win even when I think they're going to lose. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I, I, you support the team no matter what, and you're going to you're, you're going to show That's your right. passion without without blindness, and I appreciate that, and I respect that, sure. There you That's go, man. Right, NYC, New York, all day. There you go, absolutely, man, NYC all day. Thanks a lot for the call, Robert. All right, take it easy. Hey, why not, man? you got to represent in uh, New York City, teams, man. you got to represent the area code. you got to represent the boroughs. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, a redneck, but. Well, jeez. Guy wasn't a redneck, dude. He's got the Brooklyn accent going, man. Anyway, let's I'm saying represent the the area code, represent the boroughs. Uh, I don't know why you spoke about it like you were an attractive, but okay. Let's uh, speak I, about it like, oh, you know what? Oh, you're getting at me. I thought you were ripping him. I'm sorry. No, you are ripping you. He's talking New York, man. You're hey, talking hey. Get down in uh, Alabama. So Everybody. <laughs> oh, go away. Go away. You a piece of wheat hanging out your mouth? <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I've been ripped in the last week or so, I'd be, I wouldn't be doing this show, that's for sure. All right, All right but, let's talk about the injuries. First off, you got Jay Cutler, quarterback of the Bears, going out last night. And once again, we said before, with Cutler, and that would have been a, probably a different game. 
Bears could have possibly won that game. We did have some injuries, though, where, guys, good players are out for the entire season now. Uh, Rams quarterback Sam Bradford, uh, Colts wide receiver Reggie Wayne, Brian Cushion of the Houston Texans is now getting word that Doug Martin, uh, running back of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, looks like he has a torn labrum going to be done for the season as well. It's unbelievable how, how these, well, I can't say freak injuries because they happen. It just it, It's just a part of the game. But it's interesting to see how these all have happened in the same in the course of just a few hours. You know what? And also, missed that one. Bengals cornerback uh, Leon Hole with a uh, torn Achilles. Yeah, so he's I mean, as well. Like I said at the top of the show, there are certain weeks in the NFL season and every NFL season that just come out of bizarro world, and on so many levels, including the number of injuries, this one fits that bill. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just it just fits the bill. You know, I mean, we saw the injury to Jermichael Finley, which was a, a terrible injury. We saw the injury to Nick Foles, um, you know, over there in Philadelphia. Uh, Jim, and you were watching that game, so you saw it firsthand. And then also Arian Forster going out uh, with a hamstring injury. A lot of injuries mm-hmm. yesterday. Absolutely. Uh, if Andy Reid was coach, it was commissioner of the NFL and had to give an injury report, he would be in seventh heaven. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to start with the injuries. It could be a while, so uh, <clears throat> get comfy. Exactly. I mean, it just, I don't know. Well, we were going to talk also about Bill Belichick and his whining. Oh, jeez. Stop, stop the pain, but go ahead. Go ahead. But we're not going to do that. So what we are going to do, Jim, it's the World Series. The World Series. Serious business, boys and girls. By, by the way, the re- I'm, I'm not t- if you want to talk about it, by all means, your show, talk uh, about it. You know... We're not going to talk about that. Because okay, because it's a because I, I mean and I know why I you're saying it. I want people to soak in it and see. It's a broken record. It's like me me me. Oh, we lost me 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 me. Okay, do enough so you don't put yourself in that position in the first place, Billy. What's funny is is that he's saying it was a wrong call, even though it is a new rule. And the rookie who did it said, "Well, we talked about this in the off season. I messed up. It's on my shoulders." He admits that he messed up. But yet, well, head coach is admitting that it was a wrong call. So, well, well, if the player concedes it, then you know what this means. He's going to be cut from the team. Knowing, knowing. I honestly wouldn't doubt it. It's Bill Belichick. Well, and it's Robert Kraft. And they are as fickle, and they, they go whichever way the wind blows. By the way, you were mentioning the Bradford thing. One thing we neglected to mention. The rumor mill has started. Shelly Smith is on her way to St. Louis, perhaps. Tim Tebow time, possibly. Just a thought. Just a friendly thought. Shelly Smith is hiding in the bushes. Ooh, that's sexy. All right. Let's get to baseball. For the love of all that is sacred in this world, which there isn't much. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Game six, Friday night in the NLCS, was one of the most lopsided playoff games I have ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. Dodgers just fell on, fell to back to earth like a freaking crepe, losing nine to nothing. And the problem, how ironic is this? The spark plug behind their success, the reason why they even got to the postseason, oh, yeah. was the very reason they had no chance in game six. And his name is Yasiel Puig. I think we need to have a little discussion about this, and this is something I'm going to bring up on the podcast, but since you're not on the podcast, you're here now, I bring it up to you now. I could be. I'm waiting for my invitation. Well, we'll, we'll work on that. <laughs> Yasiel Puig, is this a case where 
we're looking at Manny Ramirez 2.0, or should we back off a little bit because he hasn't even played a full season in Major League Baseball? Well, you know what? He's got the Manny motion. I, I mean, he's got the Manny attitude. He's got the Manny ego ready, you can see. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, inexperienced in the playoffs. It happens. I think you back off just a little bit, but with the attitude and the ego – if I was somebody big on the Dodgers, I would start to worry about it possibly next season. I would if, be absolutely if, concerned because yeah, no. as as you know, with a full season under his belt, he could be detrimental to this team. He could be a cancer to this team waiting to happen if and I stress the word if Don Mattingly doesn't rein him in. Yasiel Puig gave Don Mattingly an extra year at least in Dodger Blue. Management is pretty much committed saying, You're coming back, Don. And it only took within the National League Championship Series for that to come out. So that tells you something. But if he is unable to, with the help of his assistant coaches and managers and what have you, if he is unable to get through to Yasiel Puig and they have a start like they had at the start the first mm, two and a half months of the 2013 season, Tom Mattingly will not see the end of the 2014 season. <laughs> There's there's no way he can afford to go twi- you know 25 15 to 20 games below 500. There is no way because you can't capture that lightning in the bottle again. It's impossible. It's a once in a generation kind of thing for a team. What happened for this Dodgers team? I'm not saying they're not a bad team. They're not. They have a lot of talent. Lord knows they've spent a lot on talent. But to expect to be able to afford yourself a bad start like you had this year only to have the his, one of the most historic runs in recent memory to, so everything is righted and you can get to the playoffs, that's just foolhardy. So Absolutely. it's going to be an interesting drama in Southern California to see what happens at Chavez Ravine Dodger Stadium as you enjoy a Farmer John sausage. In the American League Championship Series, Boston, oh man, this pains me a little bit for obvious reasons, because the man who helped send Boston back to the Fall Classic, my main man, the flying Hawaiian Shane Victorino. Where was this, Shane? Victorino <laughs> the Grand Slam pretty much propelling Boston into the World Series, beating Detroit 5-2. to two. I think you, had, you look at this, and it was a case study of Boston's pitching is legitimately good. I, you know what, I honestly didn't expect that. I know John Leary, uh, you know, our good friend up there in Boston, said the oh, we'll same thing at the beginning of the season. Didn't expect this. I mean, honestly, who did? And, uh, you know, just watching the game Saturday night, Jim, I remember uh, the bases loaded, Victorino up, and I'm laying in bed watching it, and I was falling asleep, and I said, I'll turn it off. Victorino's not doing anything here. Little did I know as soon as I hit the power button that he would hit a grand slam. So, Boston fans, you can thank me for that. Save for the second game of this series where everything was out of whack and it was kind of the anomaly and the outlier because you always have one of those games. Boston's pitching as a whole, we're talking starting – and relieving, did not give up more than three runs in five of the six games. Crazy. Three or fewer runs in five of the six, of the six games. Their pitching staff, top to bottom, is trumps over St. Louis, in my opinion. But we won't go into that now. Game one is Wednesday night, so we'll preview everything on Wednesday's edition of 24-7 Sports Hub, just so we have a little carrot to dangle you over with so you can listen back in on Wednesday. You know what I mean? Yep. So, so there you go. And, but I, I should also say, before I go further, before I forget, 
in the last couple of hours or last few hours, we have a, kind of a, an interesting byproduct of Detroit le- losing this series. Jim Leland is no more. He has, best as I can tell, resigned and or retired as manager of the Detroit Tigers. Uh, he he said it, and he goes, "I'm you know," and I quote, "I'm I'm not totally retiring today. I just don't want to be in the dugout anymore." End quote. Uh, he was crying from what I heard, and uh, to me that sounds more like he's retiring. I mean, it does. Yeah. I, and he has Jim Leland has nothing left to prove. He won a world championship with a bunch of throwback, scrappy players in Florida 16 years ago. He led a renaissance in Detroit that has made them a relevant part of baseball's best discussion. Mm-hmm. But he can't lead him to the promised land. And you want to know why he can't lead him to the promised land? Two words, Prince Fielder. Prince Princey. Fielder, what did he do in the American League Championship Series? Jim, for 100, what is nothing? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. I mean, for all the money he's being paid to be in a quote-unquote major baseball market, and I consider Detroit a major baseball market with heritage and history and what have you, mm-hmm. despite what you know the economy of the, t- sound, uh, the current town will tell you, he has the Milwaukee mentality. Yeah. He still has that Milwaukee mentality. And until he you know steps his game up and steps his chain up, Detroit's not going anywhere. Yes, they've got Miguel Cabrera, who is the MVP of this league. Not of the American League, not of the National League, but of all of baseball. He's the best position player in baseball, bar none, end of story. But one player a team does not make. You need everybody to chip in and do their part, and Prince Fielder has been the weak link on that chain ever since he got to Detroit. Yes, he'll hit mammoth home runs. And you see the celebration where he gets ready and he jumps on home plate and everybody collapses like, boom, goes the dynamite. Hoo-hoo. But it's in meaningless situations. It's in the middle of the season. Who cares? You're paid to perform in the clutch. You're paid to perform in the postseason. And he does not do that. It's a shame, but it is what it is. It's the end of a uh, good managing career for Jim Leyland. So. It is. Uh, sorry for going off the deep end. but Oh, no, that's just, fine. Uh, I'm sure a lot of uh, Detroit fans are listening in right now and uh, totally agreeing with you. They so. have to be, or or else they're not true Detroit fans. They're bandwagon jumpers. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, it just the fans of Detroit deserve better. They deserve better. I'll put it to you this way. If his salary wasn't so large, I'd think about trading him. I really would. Yeah. But they have to eat up so much money on his salary, they're stuck with him. Absolutely. And he has talent. He has plenty of talent. I don't deny him the talent, but it's how he, he – the timing of his talent that leaves much to be desired. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff, Jim. I feel like Bob Costas on the soapbox now. Wow. When you get pissed, like, damn you, Prince Fielder. Yeah, well, yeah, and uh, again, personal, professional, I have been more than pissed enough over the last few days. So this is why I'm glad I'm doing this show, to at least re- exact some of that. It out. helps you vent. It really does. It's therapeutic, so I guess I better give you the five cents that Lucy Van Pelt would be asking for. Now let's get into this. A uh, little NBA right now, and then we'll do a quick uh, NHL recap, and then we'll wrap up the show here. Okay. Um, the Lakers, giving a little bit of power to Doc Rivers, uh, there's a new initiative going down where... They're going to cover up the Lakers' championship banners and retire uniforms during Clippers' home games. Um, It's not sitting well with people within the Lakers on the roster. I'm sure it's okay with the team because I'm sure they would have to run it by the Lakers in order to do this, to be okay with this. Uh, But anyway, uh, you know, watching video of it, 
when the Clippers games start, there's going to be banners that I drop down. There's going to be banners of Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and whoever else right now, Jamal Crawford, whoever else is on. Oh, yeah, excuse me, DeAndre Jordan, Jared Dudley, Matt Barnes, and uh, J.J. Redick. It's just giant posters that are going to hang down during Clippers home games. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are not happy about it. Um, I don't seem to think there's a big problem with it. Jim, what do you think about it? If you're a Laker fan and you're upset about this, there's a reason why you're upset about this. It's called insecurity. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is this. The fact of the matter is the best basketball team in that town does not wear gold and purple. No. They don't. No. It's the Clippers. Yes, right now it is. You, yeah. you have all these championships, and that's wonderful. See, this is, this is the thing. This is the thing with two teams using the same arena, okay? Mm-hmm. One is always going to be the lackey. Let's, let's face facts. The Meadowlands, the Giants, the Jets. It's more a Giant Stadium than it ever will be a Jet Stadium. Just like Giant Stadium, hell, it was practically no in the freaking name. No it was more of a Giant Stadium than a Jet Stadium. The Jets are an afterthought. For so many years, uh, you know, since the Staples Center opened, the Clippers were the B team. They were the second-rate team. They had to succumb to, oh, the mighty aura of the Lakers and all the greatness of the past. Well, you know what? They're causing greatness right now. The only thing that the Lakers are causing are great indigestion, great headaches, you know, great confusion. I'm all for this. And this, I don't know why this wasn't done years enough, years ago. I think it's cool. I mean, listen, when they do it now at MetLife, when you know everything looks Giants for Giants games, Jets come in, everything looks Jets. If you've got a stadium or arena that's going to be shared, I think it's great. I really do. Steve Nash said it himself, and I'll read it to you right now, and I'll quote, he goes, I guess if you were in a Clippers organization, you probably want to do that too. It's their arena on their night, so I would try to make it feel like home. So the big person, that's, well, I don't want to call him a big person because he's a little guy, but the one that's making a big stink about this is former Clipper and now in the Lakers, Nick Young. And one of the things he said is that, and I'm going to quote this right now, that's a lot of pull y'all are giving Doc Rivers. I think he shouldn't come in and have so much pull like that. He's got to earn his keep. I think that is the comment that pissed me off the most. Nick Young, Doc Rivers' career already overshadows yours. You're not going to do anything that's going to come close to Doc Rivers' career as a point guard or as a guard in the NBA. And guess what? He's a championship-winning coach. He's already earned his keep. He can do what he wants to do. Now, I'm not the biggest basketball aficionado these days, so who is Nick Young again? Exactly. I, honest to God. If, he played with the Washington Wizards for a little bit. I mean, here's a guy who in his career has averaged maybe a little, around 11 points per game, 427 from the field, uh, one assist, 1.9 rebounds. I'm sorry, as a shooting guard in the NBA, Nick Young is a nobody. You're going up to battle against Doc Rivers, who not only was known as a basketball player and a very popular one, he's a championship winning coach and a championship caliber coach. Shut your mouth. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's, That's what it comes better. down to. You're absolutely right. This this should have been done years ago. Now, if this was Jerry West, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar... It might have some merit. It might have a little bit of weight, but still, even then... But even so, I am sure the Clippers ran this across the Los Angeles Lakers organization, and they said... Sure, that's not a problem, because guess what? As the Lakers organization, we don't want Clippers stuff during our home games. Exactly. Well, let me, let me go back to this. First off, if they were taking the banners down during home games, I could see the stink. They're just dropping posters in front of it, and the posters go up when it's Lakers home games. Who owns, who owns uh, the Staples Center? AEG Live, I believe the company is? Something like that. Something like that. This is on them. 
This shouldn't be on the Clippers. This should be on them. This should have been done, you know, maybe they're upset about this because, ooh, now we have to have something in place because, you know, we might have to pay workers more to make sure the posters are in place and so you know, on and so forth. It's all operated mechanically, and it's uh, L.A. Arena Company and the Anschutz Entertainment Group. So, yeah, right, Well, there you go. So AEG Live. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's it's – listen – I don't think it's a problem. Uh, you know what? At Madison Square Garden, guess what? When the Rangers take the ice, you know, the Knicks banners are up there because guess what? Hockey and basketball have nothing to do with one another. But when it's two pro teams. Same sport. Same sport. You have to make it your own home. The Jets tried to do it for years when it was the Meadowlands. Now, because it's MetLife, they have the means to wipe everything Giants clean. Let it all be Jets, and then when the Giants come in, they wipe everything Jets clean, and it's all Giants. They have I, their own banners that are around the uh, the concourse and what have you that they put in place. It's a lot easier, like you say now, because of uh, the technology. You can have uh, ban- your ribbon banners that you can program from a computer, have whatever you want on them, but, you know, it's just... It, it's not a big deal. I, I think it's really cool. I mean, I'm sorry, but as a Lakers fan, as a, as a Clippers fan, I wouldn't want to go watch a home game and have to see everything Lakers. Oh, absolutely. Me, I'm I think, you know, I think, you know, I, I don't want to call it disrespectful to the Clippers franchise, but I think it's it's just, it makes No, it sense. is. It absolutely is, because no, you're, you're telling them. But they came in later on, you know, in, in, into that, you know, uh, area. But, you know, I, I don't want to call it disrespectful, but, you know, it, it makes a Clippers fan look up and say, Jesus, when is that going to happen for us? Well, I'm going to go further. It absolutely is disrespectful uh, until until now with what they're doing for the Clippers, because... What it tells you in the back of your mind, and you see, let's say you're a Clippers player and you're seeing all these Lakers banners, okay, maybe it'll motivate you to try to put some banners up on your own. But also it tells me, you know what, I'm second rate. Yeah. It, it speaks to me and says, I'm second rate here. I'm not with the real team. And that's disrespectful as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so. I mean, listen, you know what, um, you know, I don't even know if the Clippers have any retired numbers, do they? Uh, Bill Walton, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Let me see. I'm taking a look right now because now I am very curious. Ahmad Rashad. Hey, listen. Leave Ahmad out of this. Leave Ahmad alone. Leave him alone. No, the Clippers have none, it looks like. Well, they, well, they will in a few years. I guarantee you that. Well, uh, I don't know. Blake Griffin? Hello? I, I'm sorry. Blake Griffin, I, you know, it, it's still early on. and. Chris Paul, if it works out? If Chris Paul works out, but that's the thing. Chris Paul was, uh, you know, he's just there. He's not the face of that franchise. You know what I mean? He wasn't drafted as the face of the franchise, Chris Paul. He was the uh, New Orleans and, and, and Charlotte uh, face of the franchise before anything. So, Well, these aren't the – I mean, this isn't the Danny Ferry Clippers, for God's sakes. No. This isn't the Danny Manning Clippers. This isn't the uh, – you know. wasn't Clarence Witherspoon with him for a cup of coffee? I don't even remember. But you know, it, uh, it, well, we'll see. Well, well, listen, man. You know what? It's not a. Uh, you know, we can get into a lot of names of Los Angeles Clippers players that never panned out, but right, they'll do nothing for us. But all right, Jim, that's uh, it for today's show. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in, and uh, make sure you check out that Monday Night Football game tonight because that's going to be the make or break between Jim and I. And that's all that matters. Forget about the game. It's all about me and him. Absolutely. So for Jim Williams. I'm Jonathan Raggis. We'll see you Wednesday. Good day. Good sports.